love that scene uh, from that movie. You know, there's this mocking of Charlie Brown, you know, getting the wrong tree and everybody kind of making fun of it. And he, he's just kind of frustrated because he's trying to figure out, like, what is this all supposed to be? Um, and is it Linus? Where the blanket just kind of comes in and, like, lays it down. And uh, just a really, really cool scene. But um, just a reminder of, of this is what Christmas is about. But I also really like the, the story that he shares, You're, you know, where the, the shepherds are kind of out in the field and they're tending their flocks. Uh, and all of a sudden, like, an, an angel, like, appears to them. Um, and I just, I can't imagine what that would kind of be like, you know. Uh, like they're kind of sitting out there, and again, they're watching the sheep. It's getting darker. Uh, there's all kinds of visitors and travelers in the area because of the census that's going on. You know, so I can kind of imagine them sitting there and the, the bleeding of the sheep, and they got their little fire going, and they're kind of complaining about the governor who's making everybody travel at this time, and you know, and and just kind of, and all of a sudden, like an angel shows up um, and it just says they were terrified, which seems to be like a common theme of occurrence. And Anytime somebody actually sees an angel uh, within Scripture, an angel shows up and, and they're typically afraid. And then the next response right away is, don't be afraid, right? And so they can start sharing this. And, um, and then all of a sudden, a multitude of the heavenly host just like shows up. And, and these shepherds are probably having like the most memorable night of their lives at this point and probably ever after because heaven opens up and they see choirs of angels singing. And along with this declaration of glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to people he favors, uh, peace of the world in Jesus Christ was born on that night. But we look at that statement though and it says peace on earth, right? What does that look like? I mean, if this happened over 2,000 years ago, where angels showed up and they're saying peace on earth, and we look just at the, the history that we have and wars and conflict and two world wars and Vietnam and Korea and the stuff in the Middle East and then stuff in neighborhoods and schools and all of these other things. Like, like what is this peace? Because here's the birth of Christ. Heaven opens up and it says peace on earth earth. So it must be something different than the kind of peace that we think of when it comes to not having wars and conflicts. And it's certainly different than the peace that Israel was expecting at that moment because to them their idea of peace was like, let's get rid of Rome so that we have our own country back and we can live in peace. So it meant something different than that. Uh, and so we can kind of take a look at the original language here. Uh, the word peace is Strong's 1515, uh, arena, which means not in a time of war. It can also mean peace between individuals, uh, safety and security, but also peace with God, peace in salvation with God, which is actually something uh, that's far more important. Uh, James chapter 4 uh, kind of writes it this way. He says, what is the source of wars and fights among you? 
So, so right here, if we're just kind of considering, like the angels are saying peace on earth, and, and we've had 2,000 years of increasing conflict and increasing weapons and, and all of these other things. Uh, James here, as he's writing, he's saying, well, what's the source of these wars and fights amongst you? Don't they come from your passions that wage war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. Uh, you ha do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility towards God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes uh, the enemy of God. And so again, it's talking about this peace with God and that a pursuit of personal desires, a pursuit of personal passions, and, and what humanity has been doing in general for the course of its entire existence uh, without Christ leads to this enmity and hostility between God and mankind. It was first started with Adam and Eve and their rejection of the one rule, right? And it created this enmity um, and hostility towards God and continued down through this time where we tend to build our own kingdoms and rules. We tend to fight for our own passions and desires. We have wrong motives for things that might even be good uh, and then hang on to those or we seek to put ourselves first. All of these things then resulting in these wars and these fights and these conflicts that we've seen over the last 2,000 years uh, since Jesus came down to this world. But despite of this attitude of humanity, Jesus still came as a baby, as we talked about earlier, with the express purpose of sacrifice in order to pour out uh, his blood on our behalf so that our sins might be forgiven. It was this pursuit in love. And out of faith, we respond to this. We see this in Ephesians chapter 2, where it was this faith that was given to us. It's not by works so that no one can boast, but rather given to us by God in order to trust the salvation work of Jesus Christ that was accomplished at the cross. This then results what we find in Romans chapter 5, which is, therefore, since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So through his death and then resurrection on the cross and us putting faith in him, we find that this conflict with God is restored through forgiveness. And in that, he then adopts us into his family, calls us his children, and then continues to grow us and transform us through the power and the work of the Holy Spirit. But this idea of having peace with God... Um, versus this peace in the world. Because a lot of times, this, this time of season, when people are talking about Christmas and talking about peace on earth, what they have most in their mind is we don't want to see wars anymore. We don't want to see conflicts anymore. There's all these songs that are out there about our greatest Christmas wish is like no more wars, no more killing, like all of these different things. And, and that is a good thing. But the reason that those things still exist is because the majority of mankind is still pursuing after those passions, still pursuing after those desires, and they aren't at peace with God. And so they try and take things into their own hands and to do it within their own strength and within their own might by hurting one another and pursuing after this. But this peace with God, who's the creator of the universe, the God who spoke all things into existence. 
that holds all things together. That that magnetism, the reason that we're not like flying off of the floor right now and gravity, right? Like he created all of those things, the, the breath that we're breathing into our lungs, the, the, the God that at any moment could disintegrate us with a snap of his fingers or the word of his mouth. We've seen this depicted in some movies, right? Where people kind of have that power. But the reality is that God has this. And this God who created all things, that knows all things, that knows the, the deepest, darkest thoughts within us and everything that we've done and how many hairs are on our head and, and all of that, this very God is also our judge. That someday when we face Christ on the judgment throne as we see in Revelation, we'll have given account for our life. And what we're finding in this passage is that by faith, through Jesus Christ, we have peace with this king that we had been in rebellion against. It's a peace that we never could have broken, brokered within our own power, within our own ability. We could never write up a treaty or, or pay tribute enough to this king in order to make up for the rebellion of humanity. But it's something simply out of love that he gave to us in grace and mercy through the provision of his son in Jesus Christ so that we might have peace with him, so that we might have forgiveness, so that we might have restored relationship with this God. And then not only that, then he, he equips us to go through life with him, with peace with him into a world that is dark, uh, into a world that does not know him, and into a world that's full of conflict, both physical and spiritual. We see this uh, equipping happen in Ephesians chapter 6. This is put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so that you may be able to resist in the evil day and having prepared everything to take your stand. Stand therefore with truth like belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace, for the good news of peace. Every situation, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request, and stay alert with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints." Again, this is that grace. This is that benefit of being at peace with God. It says, take up the full armor of God. It's actually considered to be his armor. Not our own that we find or build or construct within our own abilities, but rather his armor. And there's studies out there that you can follow that there are these aspects of his armor that are mentioned within the Old Testament as God is doing things and it's talking about his might, those armor he's kind of brought together in this collection in Ephesians, but are also mentioned, sprinkled throughout the Old Testament, which is then given to us because we're at peace with him. Because of this armor, our minds are guarded, our hearts and spirits, and we're able to find this peace in our hearts and minds as well. Philippians chapter 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. 
Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Do not worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So again, this peace, which surpasses all understanding, comes from God. It comes by being at peace with him. Uh, which is only through a relationship, only through salvation in this. But a lot of this has to do with perspective. Again, we look at this passage, and it says again in the beginning in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. And so this whole thing is started off with the perspective of rejoicing and then also with thanksgiving, because it says, Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And so again, it's the perspective that we bring to this. That as we go to God with all of our our troubles and our worries, that we do it recognizing that, that we are in a relationship that is at peace with the God who spoke all things into existence. That our provider is the one who spoke all things into existence. That regardless of what happens to us in this temporary life here on earth, we are in the hands of the God who spoke all things into existence. That he holds all things together. That he works out all things for the good of those who love him. That, that all of these promises that are given to us within the covenant within his blood are carrying us and holding us and binding us to Jesus Christ regardless of what we face. That's why Paul is saying rejoice. Again, I say rejoice. The Lord is near. We have that perspective. We have that understanding. Regardless of what difficulty we go through, that the Lord is near, that gives us the perspective to be able to not worry about anything, but through repetition, present the request to God, and then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We look at Jesus as an example within this as well. And um, even as he was heading towards his death, he knew what his purpose was, right? It's not like he was born and then he was raised as a kid, and as he rose uh, as a kid, all of a sudden he finds out that he's got this destiny in life, that he's supposed to die for everybody, and it, that's not how it went. But, but Jesus was up in heaven, eternally with God the Father, eternally with the Holy Spirit, and, and mankind rebels, and they're like, okay, we got a plan. We're going to redeem them. And so Jesus says, even for the joy set before him, endured the shame of the cross. So his whole purpose in coming down to earth was this intentional sense of, uh, I'm coming down to be born, to live a life, to, to live a life as a human in order to be sympathetic with them. As Hebrews chapter 4 tells us, he goes through this life without sin in order to face death. He knows this every step of the way. And even as we looked into our series in John, we saw who he said as he's heading to the Garden of Gethsemane, he knows everything that's about to happen to him. And so he's praying within the Garden of Gethsemane then. And as he's praying, uh, because of, of the stress of the situation, it seems as drops of blood were coming. 
And yet we wouldn't say that Jesus was without peace, right? And so he's in this stressful situation as he's facing this, and his prayer in that moment is still, if this cup can pass from me, let it pass, yet not my will be done, but yours be done. And so even the example that Jesus sets in this is he's at peace in that moment because he knows what must take place and what must take place is righteous and holy and good and necessary. Even though he was in a very difficult situation that most of us will never, ever, ever experience what he was going through that night. And yet Jesus was able to be at peace knowing that his father was near. Angels ministered to him in that moment and he was able to, uh, to trust in that and to find this peace that surpasses all understanding in order to guard his heart and mind. That, that part of his humanity that was like, I don't want to do this, was guarded with this type of mentality in order to pursue this. Paul, who's the, the writer of the letter in Philippians, um, says it this way a little bit later, a couple of verses in verse 12. Uh, he says, I know how to make do with little, and I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And so Paul's making this because of this concept of rejoicing and rejoicing and, and worries and cares being presented with thankfulness so that the peace of God can guard uh, his heart and mind in Christ Jesus. He, he's then saying, I know how to make do with little and to do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Now for Paul to state any and all circumstances to be content uh, is actually like a very powerful statement. Because if you go into 2 Corinthians chapter 11, there's a list of things that he went through in his life. Uh, he was whipped with 40 lashes five different times. He was beaten with rods three different times. He was stoned and left for dead. He was shipwrecked. He, was threat. he had threats from people. He had, without food and clothing, uh, there was times where he was lowered down in a basket. He was uh, in a fire, and a, a snake came out and bit him, and everybody's like sitting around waiting for him to die. He was in a Roman prison, and, and that's not a pleasant place to be. Like, like through all of this, he's sitting there and he's saying all of these things that have happened, all of these near-death experiences at the hands of others, in any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or need, I'm able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And so again, it was a matter of perspective that Paul had in each of these different circumstances that, that he's doing it with Christ and for Christ and through Christ and that this life here on earth is a temporary situation and that he's at peace with a God who spoke all things into existence. Uh, for Paul to understand this peace is something that, that I think was more tangible for him than for us. Because remember the story of Paul who was Saul. Right? So as Saul, he's standing there and he's holding the coats uh, of the men who are stoning Stephen. Right? And, and then he kind of goes out on this crusade where he's hunting down new Christians and dragging them back to jail. 
And as he's on this mission of, of hunting down these people who are pursuing Jesus Christ, he's on a road and this blinding light strikes him. And what does he hear? Saul, why are you persecuting me? Like right at that moment, I think Paul's coming face to face with God and his enmity with God, Right? Like the conviction of that moment of like, oh, Jesus is real, Jesus is alive, Jesus is the Messiah, and I've been helping to kill his followers. Like in that moment, I think Paul's like, he's going to end me. At least that would be my thoughts, right? But instead, God in that moment says, no, I've got a lot for you to do. And you're going to suffer in it, but you and me will be at peace because of what Jesus did. I think Paul understands that in a tangible way. And so because of that, he's able to have this mentality that, that even though he's going through these difficulties, he's going through it with God. Now, the truth of the matter is not every one of us have had that kind of experience where we're blinded and, and God's speaking directly to us and we recognize how much in conflict we were with him. But the truth is, spiritually, each one of us before salvation was at that moment. Because of our sins and trespasses, because of pursuing after our own desires, we were at a point of conflict and we were at a point of hostility towards God. And in his grace and mercy, he, he brings that to our attention and then says, there's forgiveness. There's grace, there's mercy, there's love, there's peace. It's washed away as white as snow. Your sins are gonna be removed as far as the east is from the west. And we are gonna be at peace for all of eternity. We all have that sense. We're all able to have that perspective because of what Christ has done within our own lives. But not only that, I, I think that there is a, an aspect to this passage that's potentially even more remarkable because he's, he's saying, I've learned the secret to being content whether I'm hungry, whether I'm in need, but also when I'm well-fed and when I'm in abundance. Because I think that's the time where it's, where it's even harder for us to rely on God sometimes. When we don't have a pressing need, when we don't have something that's weighing on us, that's making us desperate, that's making us hungry, that, that's creating a, a need to find an answer to the problem that we're facing. And Paul is saying that because he knows that he's at peace with the God who spoke all things into existence, that regardless of his circumstance in life, he should be content in that. That, that instead of like, okay, everything's going well in my life and I don't have to worry about my mortgage and I don't have to worry about food or shelter or family issues or all of these other things, I don't have to worry about those things then it's kind of easy to kind of sail through life and just enjoy those and want more of those. And in that, we're not necessarily content because we're pursuing after more. Or we, we try to protect it and hold on to it and to fight to hold on to the things that we feel are giving us security and peace in this life instead of it being anchored completely in our relationship of being at peace with God. 
That's the answer to being content in all circumstances. Instead of being protective if we're in plenty or being desperate if we're in little. We're at peace with the God who spoke all things into existence. We're peace in Christ. We have all we need for both eternity and now here on earth. We have God as our Father, Christ as our Savior, the Holy Spirit as our Comforter, and heaven as our home. What more do we need than that? To walk through this life as He directs us and guides us, knowing God's our Father, Christ is our Savior, Holy Spirit is our Comforter, and heaven is our home. Nothing can take that away from us. This gives us peace beyond all understanding. We see that we have this through perspective, but we also need to hold on to it through action. Philippians 4, verses 8 through 9. Again, he says, uh, this is right after that passage where it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through parents petition with thanksgiving present your request to God the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus but then he continues on finally brothers and sisters whatever is true whatever is honorable whatever is just whatever is pure whatever is lovely whatever is commendable if there's any moral excellence if there's anything praiseworthy dwell on these things and pause right there this is talking about perspective Right? This is the, the dwelling on, this is the rejoicing, this is the thankfulness of what God has done and that we're at peace with him and that puts everything else into a perspective of being smaller or temporary in comparison with our relationship with God. But then verse 9 continues. He says, do what you have learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. So it's not just a matter of perspective, but it's taking that perspective and putting it into action within our lives. Actually stepping out in faith, walking in faith, making choices in faith, in knowing that we are connected to the God that spoke all things into existence, and that's peace with us. That if he's calling us to, to step out into something that feels uncomfortable, that we're doing it because we know that we're at peace and relationship with him and we're trusting that he is the provider in that situation, even though it might make us feel uncomfortable from a sense of safety or provision standpoint. We, we do that because we're in this relationship and that's where we find peace. Again, it comes down to this reliance upon him as a provider in all that we do. Do what you've learned and received and heard from me and seen in me and the God of peace will be with you. We just need to take a look at the example of Paul and others within scripture, the different circumstances that they found themselves in. And as we do that, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for people within scripture. They went through difficult times. People that they loved died. They struggled financially. They struggled with food, sometimes with shelter, all of these things. But they didn't look to those things and say, well, we're not at peace now because they're at peace with God. And they trusted him in those things as we are also able to do. Uh, Father, we come before you this morning and uh, we just look to this uh, passage 
and this idea of peace with you, a peace that transcends all understanding. And much like the concept of your love, I think it's one of those things that we desire to grasp fully, to know more fully. And so I pray that your Holy Spirit would work in us to have a greater understanding of what it means to be at peace with you, to have peace in our hearts and minds regardless of circumstance, to have joy regardless of circumstance, to know that it's possible because Jesus Christ died for us, that it may seem difficult at times, but you promise that it's one of the blessings of our inheritance. And I pray that you help us to pursue it and to grab after it, that you miraculously instill it within our hearts and minds as well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.